Welcome to Mama Beaties, a podcast for women with type 1 diabetes by women with type 1 diabetes. Join us every Thursday as we navigate through pregnancy, birth and raising a child whilst living well with type 1 diabetes. The experiences shared on this podcast are not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice and should not be relied on as health professional or personal advice. Please seek the guidance of your training team before making any changes to your diabetes or pregnancy care. Our discussion today focuses on the role of midwives and the concept of delivering woman-centred care. We speak with guest Belinda Moore, paediatric nurse, midwife, diabetes educator and India study research nurse about how women with diabetes can benefit from regular contact with midwives throughout their pregnancy and labour care. Today your hosts are Rachel Adash and this is Mama Babies. So as I mentioned today, we do have um, Belinda Moore with us today. Belinda, I might just pop over to you very quickly so you can share a little bit about yourself and your interest in uh, diabetes and pregnancy care for women. Sure. Thanks, guys, for having me on board today. Um, Just super excited to get the message out there about what midwives can actually do for women with diabetes and pregnancy uh, because the message is um, largely not out there and a lot of women don't actually know the role of a midwife and there's just so much scope for midwives to become involved um, to help you achieve everything that you want to achieve as you transition um, through pregnancy, through birth and then on to motherhood. Um, my background um, is started off working in the um, outback up in the Kimberley Uh, experienced a lot of clinical presentations in paediatrics and diabetes and also midwifery as well. Um, I delivered my first baby, well, actually, I just caught it, um, up in Halls Creek um, on night duty. I wasn't a midwife. Um, I was only second year out of nursing. Mm. Um, I had done a three-day birthing in the bush course in Broome um, two weeks prior to starting in Halls Creek. When this woman came up to the door the, um, of the clinic in Halls Creek, tiny little um, clinic, um, she came with her mother and her two um, aunties. Um, and I sort of, it sort of twigged in my mind. It's like, oh, this is women's business. And, and that's, that's all I really took from that. Uh, but that was, um, I walked away from that night shift going, right, uh, one day I would like to go back to remote area midwifery but not without studying paediatric nursing um Mm. diabetes and definitely midwifery uh and from then on um everything sort of just followed on from there so i came down to the royal children's hospital did my paediatric studies from there i did my midwifery and it was when um i didn't mean it to happen this way i thought i'd specialized in diabetes all kind of diabetes but it was when i was working in midwifery that i actually fell into diabetes in pregnancy um and i just love it i just love being able to empower women and their partners so that they really can try and um, achieve what they want to achieve and not what the system wants them to achieve Um, and that's what i hope um, your listeners will get out of today's um, podcast perfect that's it is great to hear um that we do have people um working in healthcare professions that do want to help empower us because I think like what you said, um, there is a lot of um, kind of systems in place for people with diabetes and it's very much, you've got diabetes, so we'll tick all these boxes um, and you have to tick these boxes and there's no other way to do this when you have diabetes, which is something that I'm finding in my pregnancy right now. Yeah. I think it's a really valid point that you say that it's um, like this women centered focus it's so vital because especially in relation to diabetes there's a lot of from the system perspective there's a lot of medical intervention and there's all this focus on yeah the medical interventions and what the system has to do and the focus is taken away from that it is women's business and it's something childbirth and pregnancy is something that's been occurring throughout the ages of for women in different circumstances and it's something that really yeah it's something that needs to be better established and better developed form of diabetes that focus back on it's women's business and that's the beauty about your podcast it's bringing that lived experience yes we do need the evidence but we need to balance the lived experience with the evidence Mm. um, to really personalize that care yeah yeah absolutely get very prescriptive care so it's yeah. um, care in one direction when there's other sorts of care that we would like to access and should have access to mm. um, and kind of like all those, you know, feel good things about pregnancy that you 
don't get to talk about with anybody because you're just seeing your obstetrician and so you don't get to ask about baby movements about rooming in and about breastfeeding and I think that all women should know how to do that if they want to do that yeah absolutely absolutely. pregnancy um with diabetes is not it's not all about numbers but but that's what you're experiencing you're experiencing growth percentiles blood sugar numbers weight management and there's just so much more to it um, than that so so much more but uh, uh, unfortunately women um, just aren't people go oh is that a thing um, because they're hearing their friends who aren't in a high risk or a medicalized model of care um, experience things and we we just we have we have a duty of care as health professionals to share the whole picture and if we aren't sharing the whole picture then and then we go and try and um, obtain consent well, it's like that's not informed consent because you're not giving the, you're not being given the full picture or the full mm. information. Mm. Yeah. 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 So I think I might start us off then. Um, we've sort of already discussed it a little bit, but um, leads us in nicely to whether um, Rachel, for you and I, whether or not we actually have had any contact with midwives during our pregnancies and for Belinda, what sort of contact women could expect with midwives during their pregnancy, um, whether they're diabetic or not, what sort of sort of, um, contact should we be having and that I think that just helps women to know what they can ask for. Rach did you want to start off did you have any yeah 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 Um, yeah so I I was very lucky in that um, the hospital that my pregnancy and diabetes care went through well they were both combined and it's kind of I don't know if hotspot's the right word but it's a hotspot for um, care of women with diabetes Um, and because of that Um, my diabetes team had set up a specialist midwife who she was the only midwife that took on um, women with diabetes during their pregnancy. And it was something that she was um, quite experienced with as well. And they lined it up so that I would be seeing her around my clinic appointments as well. And they kind of communicate between each other had um, really good messenger channels set up, which is really important in the healthcare system. And I saw her up until um, I think maybe the start of my second trimester um, when she was then, um, she had to take a secondment. Uh, what ended up happening is that I didn't really get to see the same midwife for the rest of the time, nor did I really get the same level of care that I was getting from seeing her, um, for the rest of my pregnancy up until the week my son was born, which is when she came back from her secondment. So the last week of my pregnancy and birth, she was there for, but the whole second and third trimester, I was kind of passed around the system really and um I kind of had to keep retelling my story and my medical background and everything to every different person I saw and a lot of information wasn't communicated between them my diabetes team very well and ended up I feel impacting on the birth experience I had as well as um yeah like there was a lot of miscommunication and things that didn't happen which may have helped with my birth and afterwards as well, um, especially with my son being in special care as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's um, hard when you have that care and then you, you kind of lose, you lose it, it. And then, yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. And it's hard because I, I kind of, I knew what to expect of my diabetes to an extent because I've had it for so long and yeah. it was something that they honed in on me. And I had, I felt I had such a good relationship and, good care team with my diabetes team and I thought I was going to have that with my midwife as well and then when that was taken away from me it was it was it was hard it was really hard and I think for future um if I was to have more children that's something I I really want to do is be a bit advocate for myself in that midwife care and that I should expect a similar level of service to what I get from my diabetes team absolutely So I don't have a, um, or I didn't have any contact with midwives. Um, when I first started going to my clinic, um, they, I, I had one midwife session, which was the booking in, which every person gets, uh, no matter what. And then after that, I, I saw obstetricians only. Um, and I, what I found was that when I was having my appointments with the obstetrician, everything was very clinical and it was just, your diabetes is managed by your endocrinologist. That's good. Um, 
you peed in a cup for us today. That's good. You've done this blood test for us. That's good. Goodbye. (laughs) Um, And I had so many questions about pregnancy and what to expect um, that I was finding it really kind of um, confronting because I know my diabetes care. I know how my body works with my diabetes, but I don't know pregnancy. I've never been pregnant before. That's right. Um, So it was a new experience. I don't think I felt particularly supportive in that experience. So uh, I think I asked... Or I was looking at doing private midwives, um, which was suggested. Actually, it might have been by you, Belinda, to look into some private midwives. Um, but at that time, when I was looking into it, I lost a day at work. So it was something that we couldn't afford anymore. Um, so I ended up getting a student midwife. Um, and I found I find her really good. So she really helps me advocate for what I want uh, in pregnancy and impending labour. Um, And she's also just really good at kind of like every week she texts, she messaged me and she's like, do you have any queries for this week? Is there anything I can help direct resources to? Um, But obviously she's still a student and still learning. So she kind of sometimes wants the answers herself as well. So at my last obstetrician appointment, I said to them, I've got so many questions listed off all my questions and then pointed out that the recommended minimum checklist in my pregnancy record wasn't even being met um, because there were so many things that a midwife would normally meet with you on that, including, you know, breastfeeding and rooming in and just baby movements in general. Um, so when I said that, the obstetrician was like, so what would you like us to do? And I said, I want to see a midwife. So next week I'm supposed to see a midwife. And we'll see how that goes. But I've uh, got a massive list of questions. It's interesting because I've actually been reading a little bit this week about um, sort of women with diabetes and the early stages of pregnancy and the type of care that they want to expect. And if anyone's interested, there's some fascinating studies from Sweden about this. Um, It's focused on person-centred care. And um, it's interesting hearing both um, from you, Ashley, and Belinda, your experience, and also reliving what I went through as well, because a lot of studies have said that women with diabetes, um, a lot of the time, they're quite happy with the diabetes team because they, they're used to that experience. They know what to expect and they yeah. have that trust and established relationship. But this phenomena comes up where the women have this, um, yeah, they, they find that it's the midwife care or that process that is laying them down. And it's a combination of fear of the unknown but also a lot of the time it's expected that the women kind of take on a messenger role in delivering the messages of what what they're up to in their healthcare, their whole medical That's background. That's exactly it's, right. This unnecessary burden is placed on them and that kind of, it gives them this extra distress, extra pressure, and it's where a, a lot of the negative experiences of pregnancy for women with diabetes can stem from. So, yeah, it's fascinating, like, hearing our discussion today and then going, oh, yeah, there is research that says that this is the case and something needs to be done about it. Yeah. Um, I did third-year nursing as an undergraduate in Sweden, um, mm, and, I, and I don't know why I actually moved back to Australia because their system is just faultless on so yeah. many levels. Uh, and they have one of the highest rates of type 1 diabetes. They know what they're doing, the Swedes. Mm, uh, yeah. I've just got to find a Swedish guy and marry him and then I'll be right. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I can't do that right now because of COVID. But anyway, <laughs> uh, um, do we know, going back a bit, what does midwife actually mean? It's three, three words, four actually oh i have read to this. be with woman yeah yep. to be with yep. woman yeah um and so so that's what we do it's yes we've got a role um to be quite clinical if we need to be but um the role of a midwife is to be there to listen to support to empower to empathize uh and so if the midwife's not there how do you do any of that so there will be a complete hole in the system for every woman if that midwife is not there and just going back to what you're saying about the swedes but also um that pressure of the women having to try and find all that information uh and if you don't have the access to the student midwife to do that for you Mm. um there's just there's a couple of points i wanted to touch on um with the student midwife that's awesome that you've got one ash that's really um going that extra mile and taking it on herself to actually ask you what questions you have that's a really great student um, that's taking the initiative because there's a lot of student midwives out there who just want to tick off the birth tick off the yeah. hours 
Um, so that's my best why I picked her. Yeah, my best. Because <laughs> she answered my would... questions. I had all these questions, and I was yeah. like, "You could get a student for me." Like, I'm into self advocacy. I want this. I want that. Yeah. And she like wrote me this huge paragraph, and I was like, "It's you." Yeah, absolutely. So for anyone listening, um, don't just pick the first one that yeah. um, really hasn't told you much about themselves or what they want to achieve for their objectives, becoming a midwife, really find out about them. And it's okay to say, no, they don't suit your needs mm. and move on to the next yeah. one. Um, because it's got to be a partnership. They're, they're there at one of your most intimate experiences of your life, particularly if you're only planning to have one child or um uh, or you're having another child that you want the process to heal from a previous traumatic experience. Mm. Um, so you want to get it right. Um, but then going back to what um, Rachel was saying, um, the midwife is very much the facilitator. And in a lot of hospitals, um, there are some hospitals that are, are getting it, but in a lot, in the majority of hospitals, uh, you've got your diabetes educators who a lot of them are midwives, but they've really mm. specialised in diabetes um, and so they're very much focused on the numbers um, in the, the blood sugar levels, downloading pumps, downloading CGMs, and that's about it. Uh, and I had a conversation just this past week with a, with a diabetes educator who does go the extra mile and talks to women about antenatal expression of colostrum. And she turned around to another colleague and said, oh, do you talk to women about um, antenatal expression of colostrum? She goes, no, that's not my job. Yeah, so the hospital yeah. actually thought that I was seeing a midwife because they're like every week there's a midwife GDM nurse, which I hate the, they still call it a GDM, even though I've written it and said it's not GDM. Yeah. Um, and they're like, oh, but you've got a midwife on your roster. And I'm like, they literally just want me to download my pump and then I never that's hear right. from them. Like they, that's, right. that's, as far as they're concerned, their job is to just download my pump. So I'm not yeah. seeing a midwife. Yeah. So really, um, and I was very lucky when I, uh, in the first re- rural hospital that I worked in, uh, and it's a lot easier to set, processes up in smaller hospitals mm. less um less logistics less red tape um uh less policies to fight um but i was also there's not a lot of midwives out there who really want to specialize in diabetes uh or if they do want to specialize in diabetes they move into that diabetes world and then sadly forget the midwifery um mm. side of things um and so i i was known by my colleagues to be the only midwife interested in diabetes so i became the resource um, not only for my colleagues, but also for the women. So, and my role was um, to work in the diabetes and pregnancy clinic for women with all kinds of diabetes and really be the facilitator. So, yes, I would see the women uh, one-on-one for as long as I needed to every week uh, or every two weeks. Um, but then I, my role was to facilitate their wishes across to the obstetric team, across to the endos, and just keep that um, communication nice and tight. Um, mm. so that the women didn't have to battle so much and fight so much to have their wishes um, uh, achieved. That's such a good point you bring up. And it makes me, again, like it it shows how valuable it is to have a midwife that's on your team and understands your, your diabetes as well. Because yeah. I, I found when my midwife was put on a succumbent, there was that knowledge gap. And the midwives that I kind of got bounced around to own they they didn't really um have much experience with type 1 diabetes and yeah. um it actually it caused a couple of issues down the track because a couple of them assumed i had just gestational diabetes and yeah. it, it, like one of the things that happened from that is when i got admitted for um high blood pressure and monitoring one of them set me up to have a gestational diabetes diet and that actually caused me to have a whole heap of hypos and a whole heap of other things happen. And it was just yeah. purely because in the paperwork, they had assumed that I had gestational diabetes, even on the discharge notice, it said gestational diabetes. And yeah, there was just that misinformation. So yeah. um, it just, it just, it made me go, oh gosh, it's, it, we just, yeah, I, I really missed my midwife at that point. And yeah, I'm so thankful when she was back in time for yeah. my son's born. It really reduces that anxiety. Mm. Yeah, so a lot of clinics will talk about multidisciplinary care, um, but uh, in reality, a lot of clinics aren't actually fully upholding um, the, the concept of multidisciplinary care. So yes, you see an endo, you see an OBS, uh, you may see an MFM, middle, uh, maternal fetal medicine um, yeah. guru, um, a dietitian maybe, uh, a diabetes educator maybe, 
um, but sometimes the endo does what the DE does or you upload your, your tech from home so then you don't need to see that DE. Mm. Um, but there's just so many missed opportunities. Um, women are sitting in tertiary hospitals for hours uh, waiting for their appointments. Where is the roving midwife that can just go from seat to seat and talk to women about so many different things about what it is like to be pregnant? And, you know, if sensitive information comes up in those conversations in the waiting room, bring them into a, a clinic room so it's, you know, it's more um, private. Uh, and then while they're waiting for that, you know, that three-hour wait for the endo or that three-hour wait for mm. the um, obstetrician. Uh, so that's one thing that um, could be better done. Yeah. But, um, yeah. That sounds so good because then you're, that sounds you're, amazing. you're yeah. using your waiting time instead of just idly sitting there to, like, be having a conversation that you want to have with a health professional that you want to have it Absolutely. with. Absolutely. That's it. There's a hospital here in Melbourne um, that is, is halfway there. Um, the, there's one endo, so at least they get continuity of care and they just see the one endo. Um, there's a couple of obstetricians, but they will only see the one obstetrician. You either see that one or you see the other one. There's only mm. one dietitian, so the women will see the one dietitian, so they don't have to repeat their story, and they build that rapport, which I think is really important for dietitians because there's mm. uh, a little bit of a stigma with um, uh, women with diabetes, particularly pre-existing diabetes and dietitians, yeah. Yeah. Um, and what do you know about my diabetes? I've been doing this for years. How can you help me? You're not going to be able to help me sort of a thing. Um and there's one diabetes educator, um, unless they're on leave, of course. Uh, so you, you really get to know that diabetes educator. There are two midwives in the clinic. So they're, they're there every week, but the women have to go to the midwife to request to speak to them. It's like, well, that's sort of good, but a lot of women are vulnerable. They don't know what they don't know, as you've pointed out, Ash. Uh, so they don't know what to ask. Um, yeah. So midwives need to go that extra step and say, come on in, let's have a chat. How are you going? Um, yeah. And especially right now um, during COVID because we don't actually yeah. have access to uh, the antenatal classes that you would yeah. normally have access to. So I did the hospital one, which was based online and uh, it catered very specifically to a woman with no pre-existing conditions who mm. could be at home and breastfeed her baby for a year. And I'm not either yeah. of those. I'm going yeah. back to work at two months post postpartum. Yeah. Um, hubby's taking over as daddy at yeah. home and I have a pre-existing condition. Um, and the information that they did have for pre-existing conditions was very much... Um, you will be induced, you will be given an epidural, you will not be allowed to move out of your bed. And I was like, reading this doesn't make me feel very good. Like, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, exactly. I want to ask questions. I want to say, why, like, you know, why can't I move out of bed? Why can't this yeah. happen? Um, I'm not going to be breastfeeding. So, how do I mix feed? Like, yeah, all of these questions that I just feel couldn't be answered by flicking through some PowerPoints online. Yeah, and that's exactly why in rural Victoria, uh, that's why I created and delivered myself um, childbirth education classes for women with diabetes. And even I found it tricky. Um, I, did, I didn't have enough numbers to be able to say, right, this week I'm going to do diabetes classes for mm. women with type 1 and type 2. Um, and even women with type 1 and type 2 have different needs. So they, mm. they need their separate classes uh, versus women with GDM. So I did have to group them together and I'd often have to quickly say, okay, this is for women with GDM, just bear with me. And now I have to quickly explain it for the women mm. with pre-existing diabetes. Um, but overall, a two-hour class, I think it was every Thursday I did it, um, basically it was an, an induction class. Um, yeah. So rather than talking about um, how to prepare for spontaneous labour at home and when to go into the hospital um, uh, and all that sort of thing, because in reality, it's, you, you don't get that um, because so many women are um, induced or they, they um, choose to have an elective cesarean. And they don't um, prepare you for if yeah. that does happen, if spontaneous labour does happen as well, mm. because I think it's yeah. different if you've got diabetes. Like I think I, I asked the obstetrician, I was like, well, what happens if I do? Do I come in straight away? Like, what do I do? Yeah. Um, whereas if you look at the PowerPoints, they're like, yeah. you spend this time at home and then you yeah. know, once you reach X amounts of contractions, yeah. it applies to me. Mm. Yeah, no, unfortunately it doesn't, but you don't because you do need to have the CTG in labour. Um, but yeah, you're not given that information. Um, yeah. One of the other really huge benefits 
um, of the class was I would actually go through antenatal um, expression of colostrum and we'd um, get some dolls and these little knitted breasts um, that look like tiny soccer balls um, and we'd actually practice. Um, One of the other really beautiful things was the partners, I'd really encourage the partners to come to the class and at the end I'd do about a 20-minute roughly tour of the nursery. Um, And, you know, our hope is that babies don't go to the nursery but a lot of the babies do go to the nursery. Um, and so taking the partners to the nursery in a calm state um, is very, very important as well because when a baby is born, whether it's in theatre or in the birth room, often the dads or the partners are torn. Do I stay with my wife or do I stay with my partner or do I go with the baby? Mm. Um, and they're very torn who to go with, but usually we do recommend them to go with a baby because yeah. then they can be the messenger back to the partner and reassure yeah. the partner that all is okay. Mm. But if you can take a, a father or a partner through the nursery in a calm state and just explain, you know, now this is the resus bay, this is the respiratory support, this is how they put an IV in, this is the sort of the less intervention area and the open cot space and nasogastric tubes knowledge is power yeah. Uh, oh, yeah and if you can give people the knowledge um, and the power then they're going to be a lot more calm uh, and that was probably one of the best things um, and it's not difficult to create those childbirth classes so we just need um, midwives who have a bit of an interest in diabetes to just go out there and start delivering them really? so hopefully i mean you know anyone listening out there who's planning or currently pregnant um take all these ideas um you know i'm only one midwife one diabetes educator and i i can't change the system myself i don't have the power uh, i'm not high enough in up the ladder um but take these ideas and and ask for them do what you've done ash and say this is what i want this is my pregnancy my needs are not being met what are you going to do to make sure my needs are met and that's how we, as you know, a collective um, voice creates the change. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Maybe it'll make them think a bit more about offering it too. Like I've found that yeah. I've been able to get most things that I need in pregnancy by just asking, but that yeah. nothing's offered straight up. And yeah. if enough people ask, that's... maybe they'll start to just have an automatic thought process of things people have all asked for this. Maybe let's just offer this. Yeah, there's a, there's a demand there. Fancy yeah. that. Crazy. <laughs> maybe it's time to act on that demand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Interestingly, just today on the Royal Women's Hospital in Melbourne, the, their Facebook page, um, they've announced they've been given $1.6 million funding um, to provide caseload midwifery model of care to uh, vulnerable and disadvantaged pregnant women. Mm-hmm. Now, that largely won't include women with diabetes. Uh, why not is my question. Why, if, if they can provide a caseload midwifery model of care for those women, why can't they provide a caseload midwifery model of care um, to women with a chronic disease or women with a pre-existing medical condition? Mm, because yeah. we know that, you know, women who are either disadvantaged or vulnerable or have a medical um, uh, condition that we need to um, have a little bit more focus on um, and in more intensive monitoring, they are at higher risk of, um, unfortunately, um, experiencing suboptimal outcomes for mother and baby. So um, we need, yeah, we need more um, collaborative care between all professions that, are in, that you are involved with. Yeah. Yeah, that would be amazing. Have people talking to each other and yeah, to kind of have that one uh, as Rachel and yourself both talked about before, have that one person that women can touch in with. So, like, I get that with my endo. I've, I've make sh- made sure mm. that I see the one endo every week because it, I just wasn't coping seeing different endos. Yeah. 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 Um, but it would be great to – and that's why I also like my student midwife is because I'm seeing that one – you know, she's yeah. there all the time. That's the one person who's gotten to know me. But if you're swapping the person every week, then – you're telling your story every week and you're like, well, I'm not really getting anywhere with this because mm. yeah. you're yeah. covering little tiny bits here and there. Mm. Well, you're wasting your time. Yeah. Uh, just yeah. explaining your story every two weeks. Yes. It's exhausting, yeah. especially yeah. after a trimester. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, if, if people can't, um, if, if services, hospitals can't uh, offer that continuous midwifery appointment, then at least that booking in appointment way back at you know roughly six to eight weeks ish if that booking in appointment can be with a specialist midwife who knows about diabetes um 
can do more than just tick the boxes on the um, computer system and really sit there and get to know you and your partners and your birth wishes and your pregnancy wishes and everything that you dreamed about before you even planned to have a child and document that, then um, yes, if you can't achieve that continuity of care, then other midwives, all they need to do is read those notes. That's it. Um, and so, so that you can have a little bit more of a closer um, a little bit more of hope to achieve those um, pregnancy and birth wishes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and people, and then they get to know who you are and what and what you do want. See the um, the evidence is there. So if you if you look at the ADIPS guidelines, mm. um, and they have just been re reviewed. Yeah. Um, you th- there there is um, documentation there to say that midwives are to be included in the care of women with diabetes. Uh, in, you know, including the dietitian, DE, OBS, endo, FMM, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and when I wrote the protocols for the diabetes and pregnancy clinics that I was working at in rural Victoria a few years back before I started working with the India study, I, it was easy to me to write that protocol because all I had to do was go to the Bible, which is the ADIPS guidelines. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you just adapt that into your hospital's um, system. Um, so it's easy to make it happen. But the thing is, hospitals aren't basing their um, structure off those guidelines so, you know, with the ADIPS guidelines, um, you, at the beginning of your pregnancy, at about eight-ish weeks, when you um, come in for your first appointment, you see an obstetrician who will obtain your um, medical history. Um, you, you will ideally see a midwife to do the booking-in appointment. You may do that mm. booking-in appointment over the phone. Um, you may do it face-to-face, and that's pre-COVID. Mm. Um, and you'll meet with the diabetes educator, uh, which probably won't be but but it may be depends if you're in the public versus the private system um uh but it's good to touch base with the de in the hospital if you see another de and it's okay to see your own de plus the hospital de um and then you see the dietitian um and you know if you're seeing all of those health professionals in that one one-stop shop clinic then you shouldn't be sitting in the waiting room for two to three hours because you're jumping between dietitian de obs endo midwife so you're actually being seen and receiving all the education and the information you need um, every, you know, two weeks or three to four weeks, depending where you're mm. at with your pregnancy. And that needs to go all the way to head on view, mm. i.e. baby out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's not like, okay, you've seen the midwife, tick, won't see you again. Yeah. yeah. Okay, seen the dietitian, uh, we'll see you in eight weeks. It's like, well, that's, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's what the ADIPS guidelines say. Yeah, and, and to add to that, if you're someone that likes reading and likes being informed, so ADIPS, for those that don't know, it's the Australasian yes. Diabetes in Pregnancy Society. Um, and That's all right, all, all good. <laughs> and um, their, their website actually has a lot of really useful information and resources. So um, I'd highly recommend for people to check it out because, yeah, they have recently updated these and there's a lot of focus on... Um, care being centered patient-centered care so yes. a, lot of the, a lot of the resources there focus on that and if you're needing that advocacy for your hospital care definitely have a look at the ADIPS website so A-D-I-P-S um, and it's really really easy to find you is. just google yeah. ADIPS yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and, and sorry you go Rachel no I was just I was just gonna say um the the communication and language on there it's quite straightforward so it's not all medical yeah. jargon I, I found that very useful as well (laughs) yeah 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 the look the team behind those guidelines um there's a couple of brilliant midwives who there's one who's a midwife de nurse practitioner um uh and probably one of the most woman-centered um persons i've ever met Mm. uh and has women with diabetes at the forefront of those guidelines which is what Mm. you need um so that's why those guidelines are good yeah and how did you find your student midwife, Ash? Um, through, um, is, is it called the Student Midwife Australia? The call Facebook the midwife, group? Yeah. yeah. Is it called the midwife and then student in brackets? Or? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I'll post the link in our, um, yeah, it is. It's, I think it's, it's like a play on words. <laughs> yeah, it's great. There. I love it. Yeah, so I, I'll post the link in um, in our show notes for anybody who wants to try and find somebody on Facebook. But there is so many of them looking to 
um, yeah. to follow women. Um, and my advice, if you want to get somebody as amazing as mine, <laughs> is um, don't just say I'm pregnant and I want a student midwife to follow me. Talk a little bit about yourself and what you're hoping to get out of um, having a midwife follow you yeah. and who you are as a person and don't be afraid to question them. So I did up a bit of a spill and was like, look, I am going to advocate for myself. If you're not somebody who's going to help me advocate for myself, don't try and follow me. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, like I'm going to be pushy and I don't like if you're going to get uncomfortable and not want to be in the room with me then there's no point it's not in gonna work yeah exactly yeah so yeah. and yeah. It, it raises a good point as well as uh, Belinda was saying that we need more um midwives who have that special interest in diabetes and diabetes care yeah. so student midwives is kind of where that can stem from if you can find a, a, a student midwife that could gain an interest in this and it could then stem to them going down that path. Yeah. Yeah. The more women with diabetes get a benefit from it. So this yeah. is where it can all sort of stem from. Now. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and diabetes sadly is not going away. Um, mm. The gestational diabetes rates alone in this country are huge. Mm. Um, uh, Victoria has, or Western Victoria, West, um, sorry, Western suburbs of Melbourne have one of the highest rates. Back when I started my diabetes course in around 2013, um, the gestational diabetes rates was around 9%. Um, they've now shot right up to around 20%. And in some mm. parts, the suburbs west of Melbourne, as well as the suburbs west of Sydney, those rates are actually closer to 30%. That's yeah. gestational diabetes. Um, so, yeah, it is, it's increasing. So you can't actually become a midwife and not um, have anything to do with diabetes. Mm -hmm. So the more people that, um, yeah, display an interest in diabetes, the better for you guys, um, the better for the babies as well. Um, but having a midwife work with women with type 1 will also break down those barriers of the differences between type 1 versus type 2 versus GDM. Uh, so it's a, it's a two-way process having a student midwife they can, you know, offer what they're learning as a midwife and, and supporting you with everything um, you want to know about pregnancy um, and labour and birth and, and motherhood. Um, and then at the same time, you can share information about what, you know, what is it like to have type 1? Mm. Um, how does everyday life affect you having type 1? Um, and, and then they can see how all the different influences um, your type 1 has um, through pregnancy, labour, birth, and motherhood. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So yeah, it's very much a two-way relationship. Yep, definitely. And, and I they, still keep they... in. Yeah, sorry, I was just going to say no, I still go. keep in contact with um, uh, a couple of my um, follow-throughs that I had when I was a student twelve years ago. Those oh kids gosh. were like in grade two. A couple of them. <laughs> oh wow! Wow. Yeah, but that's that. I mean, that's. That's midwifery. It's such it's such a privilege to be a midwife. Um, uh, and, and as I said before, you're there at the most intimate time of a couple's life or a woman's life. Um, yeah, so you need to cherish it as a midwife as much as the woman and their partner cherish it. Yeah, definitely. I think um, I definitely uh, feel that my midwife offers a lot of support and I'm really thankful for that. And I think the midwives that I've come across have all given a lot of support. I think I did call them my midwives. No, not my midwives. There's a government midwives line that you can call. Uh, not pregnancy, birth, baby. It might be. I don't know, but you call up and it's midwives on the phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah the pregnancy hotline. Yeah, birth, baby. So good. Um, because yeah. because I wasn't offered midwife care straight away, and I had a few questions that. Um, I didn't want to ring the hospital emergency. So they give you like the emergency contact number mm. for when you're pregnant. And I was like, I feel like this is not an emergency. Like I don't feel it's like it's an appropriate yeah. thing for me to be calling about. So I called that and just even having a chat with those midwives was yeah really helpful. So like, I really, I think I benefited a lot from that contact. Yeah. So that if people want to tap into that resource, if they just Google pregnancy birth baby or they can follow their Facebook page, pregnancy mm. birth baby, um, and it is a government initiative, so it's funded by the government. Mm. Um, and the midwives behind the phone calls, there are the midwives or maternal child health nurses. Um, you can access them postnatally as well. Um, and they will do um, even post-birth, um, particularly if it's feeding related, whether you're bottle feeding, mixed feeding or breastfeeding, um, they will do like Skype type um, 
free um, uh, sessions with the women as well, so they can actually oh, wow. see, awesome. see babies. I didn't yeah, know that. See yeah, I didn't know that much either. Yeah, <gasps> and it's actually um, Monday to Sunday. Oh, cool! Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I called them on something like um, Sunday at eleven p.m. at night. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And I was like, I just, I don't think this is an emergency, but I really want to like confirm this. Yep. And they're like, yeah, it's not an emergency, but keep an eye on it. And it was yeah, good. yeah, yeah, exactly. It's nice to talk to somebody who was just there to listen to my concerns and to and to just reassure me that things were, that were happening were normal. Yeah, rather than, rather than going down a Google rabbit hole and just making yourself even more anxious. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And they well, did because they had diabetes, so they weren't like, oh, it's because of your diabetes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then <laughs> which is excellent. Um, you no are stigma. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. I yeah. find that happens so much. People are just that's your diabetes. In, inviting you into the hospital and then over intervening. That's yeah. the other yes. downfall. Yeah. yeah. So that's the other um, critical value in having uh, midwives who are specialised in diabetes. They can work out, you know, what's what's baby related in the, the scenario that the woman's talking about. What's diabetes related? Is it something to worry about? Uh, I mean, how many times do you see in bump baby and beyond women? Um, say the midwife didn't really know what to do or said, no, it'll be fine. And then all the women will go, well, actually, no, I don't think that is fine. You need to go back to them yeah. um, and say, do you know I have type one? Are you aware that, yeah, yeah, yeah I should be having a little bit more intensive follow-up or something like that. Mm. Yeah. 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 And that's the beauty about, yeah, educating these student midwives. Yeah, and, and my late, my student midwife really wants to be educated. So she comes to literally every appointment with me, including the end of That's appointment. Awesome. And because she has an uh, interest in endocrinology in uh, midwifery. Yeah. So after the appointment, um, we'll, we'll sit down and I'll debrief with her. And I'll be like, did you understand what we were talking about um, in terms of, um, so last week we spoke a lot about dawn phenomenon. So then yeah. I was like, well, do you understand what dawn phenomenon is and why it's, why I'm just having to increase this morning basil so much more than everything else. And so yeah. I got to like teach her about that. And yeah, that's it awesome. It was awesome to just feel like I'm giving her that knowledge. So then she can use that with somebody else and not be like um, judgmental about it and stuff. So we need to clone your student. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she's amazing. <laughs> I really, really like her. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. And I guess hearing all these good tales, it goes to show how valuable women-centred care is. And Belinda, we know you're such a huge advocate of this. So uh, my question to you is, why is this so important? I know, I know it's a big question that has many answers, but yeah, why Massive. is it important, especially in pregnancy and labour? Well, it's important irrespective of the diabetes um, there, I mean, you can go and do a lit, a lit search on continuity of midwifery care for mm. all women um, who are pregnant. Um, and we know that the midwives specialise in vaginal births, basically, and the doctors specialise in instrumental and cesarean sections. That's their skill and um, vaginal birth uh, and normal labour is our skill. Um, we know that um, there's a lot of stuff that we're taught in midwifery school, so to speak, and throughout mid midwifery career that the doctors don't practice and vice versa. There's a lot of stuff that the doctors do um, that we don't do. Um, and so it's acknowledging um, that we, you know, obstetricians versus midwives both have different skills to bring to the table mm. um, and, and recognising when we need to lean on the obstetric skills and when the doctors need to back off. <laughs> Uh, mm -hmm. if, if there's nothing wrong, basically. Um, so we know that, um, yeah, having that one-to-one -one midwife way back at booking in, whether you've got diabetes or not, that you might get booked in at 18 weeks, or if you have diabetes, you might get booked in at eight weeks. There's quite a difference there. But building that rapport develops trust. Mm -hmm. If you've got that trust in somebody, um, there, there are no limits, basically, to your therapeutic relationship between the woman and the midwife uh, and their partner as well and involving those partners. I mean, how many pregnant women, whether they've got diabetes or not, don't bring their partners to the antenatal clinic? I mean, mm. that's wrong. Um, employees, employers, I should say, don't allow partners often to come to appointments. Some do, but it's very rare. Um, so unless you've chosen to have a baby by yourself... Um, that's a different scenario, but most women uh, are having a baby with a partner. Um, and so it takes two to tango. So we need to include that woman. 
their partner and the midwife um, the whole way um, so that you build that trust, you listen to what the couple want um, so that you can actually work together um, to work towards the end point of um, a minimal intervention labour, um, uh, ideally a vaginal birth, sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't, but we're always working towards that. Um, and, um, yeah, you, you really can't achieve that if you aren't seeing midwives, if you aren't seeing the same midwife um, to build that trust with. If you don't have trust with someone, you're not going to disclose um, your story, um, whether there's issues there to disclose or not. Uh, it might just be getting to know the person um, uh, as simple as they are with no issues at all. Um, and then that just... Um, yeah, just, I, I don't know if I'm making any sense here, but that just uh, allows for um, things to just naturally happen uh, with minimal angst, minimal stress, um, and move on towards um, those wishes that that couple wants. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does, mm -hmm. definitely. Yeah. yeah. That's something that I'm trying for at the moment is to kind of get that re whole rounded care where... Um, you are, you, you know, where I'm aware of that inductions will probably happen or that a C-section might happen. But I also want to know about um, the more natural side of things in terms of pain management. And yeah. um, I'm that weird person who has dreamt about labour since she was a kid. So when I look at, you know, if I watch a video of a woman in labour, I'm not like, oh, that looks painful. That looks awful. I'm like, I want that. I want that labour pain. I want to... Yeah bring my child into the world in that way. And I want as minimal yeah. interventions as I can get. Yeah. It may not happen. And I'm preparing myself for the fact that it may not happen. But at the same time, I want to know how it does happen if I can experience that. Yeah. Well, you can't, I mean, when a woman walks into a birth room, whether they're in spontaneous labour or they're being induced, then is not the time to go and talk about Here's all how you can do all these yeah. pain exactly. options and all your different physical manoeuvres and, all your different options with fit balls and mats and um, rolled up sheets that we can put under the hips to move that baby around and showers and massage and that you need to be talking from eight weeks every week until labour. Um, yep. And so far yes. I haven't gotten that. So that's, that's yeah. all in my list of questions for the midwife next week because I'm like, yeah. nobody's talking to me about labour. They're all, whenever I am talking to the obstetrician about labour, she says, you will be induced at 38 weeks so that your baby doesn't, isn't stillborn and it's it's a scary conversation instead of a a reassuring conversation about what mm. might happen in labor it's yeah. it's a very clinical like if yeah. you don't follow what we say this will happen to your baby it's your fault um if this yeah. happens to your baby oh, then fear tactics which yes not, i hate fear tactics they are the yeah. worst and i, I think i yeah. just want somebody to tell me it's medically outdated that, that will make me feel good and like yeah yeah, yeah. And look, if, if there's women out there listening to this um, and uh, they are feeling a little bit lost because they don't have that access to midwifery care, all mm. is not lost. Um, it's just maximising those um, golden opportunities where you can. So if you are all of a sudden find yourself in third trimester and you are having weekly CTGs, for example, or weekly blood pressure checks mm -hmm. uh, or twice weekly ultrasounds, any, any of that sort of scenario, they're the opportunities where it's not um, that midwife that puts that CTG on. If they go to walk away, tell them to come and talk to you. Talk to you, talk to them and ask them a, a question and just a random question. Say, so what happens in the induction? And then from there, that conversation could go on for a half an hour conversation for the whole time you're on the CTG. And all of a sudden you are better prepared about, you know, what happens in an induction. Um, yeah. Or say, oh, can I, um, do you offer... Uh, antenatal expression of colostrum, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, so if the midwives aren't forthcoming because they fear the, the maternal diabetes because they don't want to get into that territory, put those questions out there to them and start the conversation. Mm. So you're building up that, that rapport. You shouldn't have to do that. The system um, shouldn't be blocking that. But unfortunately for a lot of women, particularly in your more tertiary hospitals who just yeah. don't get it, that is what's happening. So that's why I'm existing in the online Bump Baby and Beyond group to give all these little strategies to empower you to um, go seek that information um, yourselves until one day, fingers crossed, praying every night, the system does change for you. 
So that's a, that's a really good point about um, but maybe and beyond in that lived experiences and peer support plays such a huge role in women's centre care as well. So yeah, again, if you're not finding that you're getting sort of that standard of care that you're hoping for, or you have questions, finding an amazing peer support group such as Bump Baby and Beyond, where you've got people who have diabetes, who've experienced it all, and you can go on there and find out, oh, I'm not alone. Someone else has gone through this. They yeah. can share their experience and you realise that you're not alone in it can be really useful as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Coming back after your antenatal appointments to your online peer support groups, posting what you've experienced, seeing yeah. what everyone else is going through, going, oh, okay, I actually have some rights here or, or there are other ways to do this. Next time I go back for my next appointment, I'm going to try a different angle. I'm going to have a different conversation. I'm going to ask more questions. So your peers increase your confidence because the system's not. Mm. I, yeah, I do that a lot. <laughs> I think I read yeah. so much from Bump Baby and Beyond or whenever yeah. I've had a bad experience, I just pop it, pop it up there mm. and yeah. see what people say. And then I'm like, okay, now I know I can look at this or this or yeah. Um, yeah. bring this up to the doctors next time. Mm. Yeah. And even like advocacy as well is an amazing um, tool in this as well. Um, and I, I, I do have to share a story when um, my specialist midwife did return. She was there for the birth of my um, son. Well, actually, she was there at the start of my labour and then she finished her shift and she came back after I had my emergency C-section. But she was a really strong advocate for me because um, I was separated from my son. So he was at the special care nursery and I was at that stage getting wheeled back into the wards. And for some reason, the wards had put me in with a woman who had just given birth as well. And she had the baby in the room with her. And I was there without my baby, freaking out, being very, very upset because birth didn't go how I anticipated it would. And now I couldn't be with my son. And I was very upset and my milk wasn't coming in and my blood pressure was going crazy and things like that. And it, once my midwife um, visited me, she kind of realized what was going on and she actually ended up, I think what she did, she must've spoken to someone on the ward, but they arranged for me to get my own room. And once I got that and I had a shower and I was able to just, yeah, I don't know what it was, but she just, she just knew that I wasn't coping very well. And I, I needed something different. And from there on, when I had my own room, my milk came in, my son massively improved once he started having some of my milk and it just, it all, it all happened. And it was because she was able to see the signs. She knew me and she knew That's that things exactly weren't right. going well. And she put her foot down and made sure that things change. And that I think was the turning point in getting me and my son recovering and together after our birth so it's good so, having those advocates so you've just answered your own continuity question there that you threw at me um she knew <laughs> what to do because yeah. she knew you she yeah. knew you because she met you way back early in pregnancy mm -hmm. and she'd talked to you she'd listened to you she'd heard all your wishes uh she'd got to know you as a person um as a pregnant woman putting mm -hmm. the diabetes aside um, and she built on that every time she met you. And even though she had that time away and then came back, um, be because she'd had that time before, she knew what was important to you. And so mm. she could just go off and just make it all happen. That's Whereas it. if you if you don't if you don't know a midwife and they come in uh, at the time that your baby's born and that baby needs to be whisked away, they all just go into autopilot. They do what they have to do to save babies and. Um, keep mothers well and there's no meaning to the um to the experience mm. and that is why so many women walk away particularly with diabetes with traumatic uh experiences yeah um because that meaning is just so lost you're just a number um so continuity of care um takes that number out of the situation and, and makes you a person a woman um as well as your partner as well so that's yeah, no, continu that was... continuity in a nutshell yeah, I wish that was available. Um, like, I don't think I'll get continuity with seeing a midwife. Um, I know that continuity is often if you don't have diabetes. So uh, my sister who um, had her baby through IVF was offered continuity of care with her midwife. So she saw the same midwife every week at the same hospital that I'm going to. Um, 
and even after she got diagnosed with gestational diabetes, she still had that access. So that's kind of where, where it gets me and where I feel that I, I'm justified in advocating is that I, why does she get that care and I do not get that care? Yeah. yeah. And that person who's looking out for me, who knows me. Yeah. And, and sometimes I feel like it's kind of like, is it a question of like, some of us have been so, I don't know if the word's blessed, but we've been so, so lucky to have such good care in our diabetes teams so that when we fall pregnant and we don't experience that same level of care, yes. there's kind of that disconnect happening and yeah. it, it, it yeah. shouldn't, it shouldn't be that way. And I mean, sometimes when I went through that, when I, when I lost my specialist midwife in the middle of my pregnancy, I was like, am I being too hard on the system? <laughs> Do I have too high expectations? I know I have this incredible diabetes team, but is the rest of the system just meant to be a crappy meat yoga standard? I just have this excellent diabetes care. I don't know. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Yeah, I struggle you, with that. You guys, um, you guys starting this um, podcast, um, Mama Beatties, um, is is helping um, keep get everyone else up to the same standards. Mm. Never ever drop your standards. Uh, you as people, Ash and Rachel, uh, but you as a a leadership group, uh, being Mama Beatties, um, we need your voices out there to let everyone else who's who's lagging behind to keep the standards of care up. Uh, and that is exactly why consumers need to be involved in the planning of services. Uh, it's just a no-brainer. If you don't hear what the consumers need, want, wish for, uh, then you can't honour it. Yeah. And, yes, it might take a little bit more planning, a little bit more collaborating, but, hell, look at the outcomes. Like, they're yeah. just so much more positive, so, so much more positive. Um, from a midwifery perspective, if you are meeting those women as a midwife back at eight weeks and you're seeing them every three weeks, the relationship, the therapeutic relationships that I've developed with women um, from my perspective as an individual professionally, but also um, personally are just so meaningful. I remember so many of the pregnancies that I've supported um, with type one diabetes in them, with gestational diabetes uh, in them. Um, and uh, women have come back to me to say the same thing, that they've been so grateful that I've been there. Um, and that's got to be so much more um, uh, worthy uh, as, a, as a health professional rather than just going to work, doing what you do, and then going home again without any meaningful substance to it. Um, and, and the women um, particularly will get even more out of it than us because they will go away, the angst is reduced, um, they feel like they're a part of their pregnancy journey, they're not just uh, a pregnant woman, they're not just a number um, and they're feeling empowered enough to go, do you know what? I can get through this week of pregnancy. I can get through that trimester of pregnancy. Yes, I'm going to birth this baby and I'm going to do it the way that I want to do it because I feel empowered to do it. Yeah. Yeah, it helps you feel less alone, I think. Like yeah. Pregnancy, I think, yeah. can be very isolating. And if you're not having it's access to the right health professionals or to the same health professionals, you just feel like you're lost. Like you it's don't daunting. know. Mm. Yeah. It's an experience you've never had before. And yeah. that's how I, how I feel when I don't have that kind of same access, I think is that yeah. I feel a lot less okay with what is just happening. Whereas I know my sister, because she had that continuity of care with the midwives, she felt okay in everything that was happening to her and was just like, oh, yeah, I'm pregnant and I'm going along and I feel that this is normal and that what's happening to me is normal, whereas I question everything because I just don't have that information. I just don't have that access to information. Um, and then it's left to me to find that information and then I question whether what I've read is correct for me as a person um, with or without diabetes. Like there's so many different conflicting sources of information and I'm not a health professional, so I don't know how to discern what is yeah. harmful, what is not harmful, yeah. um, what is appropriate for me. Yeah. So let's just give that information so you don't have to go hunting for it. Yeah. And do it in a yeah. way where the person who is giving that information to me knows who I am as a person and then therefore knows whether it's relevant to me as a person. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the other aspect of continuity of care. You're going to personalise that care. So 
um, you know, person-centred care is, is a real concept in the academic world. Woman-centred care is a very real concept. Family-centred care. Um, but it all comes down to um, personalised care mm. now is, is the hot topic um, yeah. that the, the good academics out there are trying to push. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe the last question that we'll ask tonight is um, how can women access midwives? Because we've talked a lot about what midwives do, um, how they can help us, why you should ask to see one, but how do we actually access them, whether we're in private or public? What are the avenues? So with um, in the public system, um, every woman will have a booking in appointment. Mm. Um, it is unfortunately very tick box, um, no, very little opportunity to build a rapport um, until the system changes, all I can suggest is um, advocate, advocate, get, get you you guys to advocate for yourselves. Um, and at, at, within those booking in appointments or at the end of those booking in appointments, um, ask them, when do you see the midwife again? And if they say, if they're going to tell you um, as you're sitting there at eight weeks, oh, you won't see them again until 28 weeks, don't walk away stay there until you say well no that's not right um i have every right to see a midwife more regularly um than what you're telling me um in fact women with a medicalized condition like type one um amongst many other medicalized conditions mm. have even more reason to see a midwife i mean the the risk of um you know just one thing off the top of my head perinatal anxiety and depression for women with all kinds of diabetes is so much higher if you're not seeing anyone who's um looking out for that and and putting services into place to to help you emotionally um then they're not um upholding their duty of care that's what it comes down to so just be really strong and don't take no for an answer uh other women have um pushed for what they want and they have got it or some women have actually um said well um I want to be set up with a caseload midwife and I know a few women um, in some hospitals here in Melbourne and that has actually happened. They did have to fight hard for it, but they got it. So it's possible. You just, unfortunately, uh, if you don't know about it, you don't know um, that you can ask for it and you don't know how hard to push. If you're in the private sector, most private obstetricians will have a private midwife in their rooms. So it is, um, um, otherwise there are private midwives that you can, um, uh, hire, that's not the right word, um, enlist, <laughs> that's probably not the right word either, uh, have on your side. Uh, you've just got to check that they can actually be there um, in your birthing hospital. So some hospitals will not allow them to be there as a private midwife, but they mm -hmm. can certainly look after you at a fee, of course, antenatally, and you can go to separate um, midwifery appointments with your private midwife um, in addition to your um, public endo OBS appointments. But when you come into labour, they then become a support person rather than a private midwife, and that's just a legal aspect. But it's certainly, um, it's, it's certainly very worthwhile um, because they're the ones that have built that rapport with you and they know your wishes um, of what you want to achieve throughout pregnancy, labour and birth. But probably student midwife is one of the best ways because they're being trained to, um, towards becoming a professional midwife. Um, they're being guided by professional midwives, um, but they, like your midwife, student midwife, Ash, they really get to know you. Um, but again, be very scrupulous with um, who you choose as a student midwife and, and it's your right to say no if it doesn't feel right um, and then say yes when it does feel right. Um, yeah. 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 Um, King Eddie, um, so, yeah, again, have a Google ADIPS guidelines and see what um, should be happening. Um, Google King Eddie's guidelines as well, um, the diabetes guidelines for King Edward, which is over in Perth. Um, their guidelines are brilliant for women with diabetes and they achieve a very good multidisciplinary clinic um, as well. Uh, and Western Health in, um, in the Western suburbs of Victoria as well, of Melbourne. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Go so, and do that. Yeah, yeah, particularly King Eddie. Well, thank you so much for um, coming on tonight's episode, Belinda. You are a, a huge expert in this area and you're such a strong advocate. So um, it's been a pleasure having you on board. No, I appreciate you um, yeah, giving me the opportunity. But um, yeah, I just want to 
get that information out there that we've all talked about so women can just feel a little bit more a part of their pregnancy because it is their pregnancy not us awesome well on that note thanks for joining us for another week of mama babies for more information about advocacy for people with diabetes you can contact diabetes australia or your own diabetes state organization make sure you subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcast so you never miss an episode and leave us a review so that others can find us too remember to follow us on facebook just search mama babies twitter at mama babies or on instagram at mama babies underscore podcast to reach out, please email us at mamabeaties.podcast at gmail.com. If during this podcast series you feel you need to reach out for additional support, please contact your usual treating team, Canada's National Perinatal Anxiety and Depression Helpline on 1300 726 306 or Lifeline on 13114 outside of Canada's operating hours.